Happy Feast of Trumpets. I want to thank Dave for uh, the invitation to be here today and for our churches to get together. It's uh, a day like this, a day that we celebrate, that's so, so much part of our culture in the Church of God. We, uh, I was explaining this to someone. Uh, so you keep that Jewish day? I said, well, no, we keep the Christian holiday where we celebrate that Christ is going to return. And it's called the Feast of Trumpets, and that's what we're doing, and that's what we'll be doing today. So I wanted to look at uh, the scripture in Isaiah 28, just a couple of, couple of verses to begin with, uh, that looks at the Feast of Trumpets. I guess it you know, looks towards the day, that day. Isaiah 28 and verses 5 and 6. Because it, said, it, said it begins in that day. So when I read that, I'm thinking of that day, <laughs> that day that was referred to in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, that we know also in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, that's uh, verse 52, uh, the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall all be changed. So that's what we're here for, what we're, what we're celebrating today. So in that day, the Lord of hosts will be for a crown of glory and a diadem of beauty to the remnant of his people, for a spirit of justice to him who sits in judgment, and for strength to those who turn back the battle at the gate. Those, those two verses, that's what we're here to celebrate today that day. So what day is it? When Christ returns, that day. So there's three things that Isaiah mentions here that's going to happen in that day. He says that God will be a crown of glory and a diadem of beauty, right? Christ will be king, will be king. I think of uh, a diadem, I guess, like what, kind of like a, I don't know, it's like a tiara or a crown, it's, you know, on the head. That we, I guess, physically, human beings have always, when we've, you know, in the past, we've had kings and we have, we've given them symbols so that people can say, well, that's not just a common person. That person's got a crown on their head, so there must be something to that person. Like a, like a beauty queen, we always, the crown always distinguishes that that's, there's something about that person. And, and so God will have that crown. There's not a man. God will have that crown. And Christ will be king. The second thing is, it says, for a spirit of justice to him who sits in judgment. So Jesus Christ, in that day, will bring justice, will bring justice. And for the strength to those who turn back the battle at the gate. And Jesus Christ, and as, as was mentioned in the Bible study, you know, he's a, he's a strong lion because he's going to bring battle in that day. He's going to be in battle on that day. So here's the question I'm going to ask you. I don't want anybody to answer this, but I'm going to ask you the question to think about it. Because if you answer it, you know. But do you think, just answer in your head, uh, that Christ will return before the year 2050? So you can think in your head, you know, will, will Christ return before the year 2050? Uh, was it, we're in 2018 right now. So that's, uh, that's 32 years from now. So it's 32 years ahead. So there was actually a Pew Research poll that was done on this question. 
And uh, 27, and they, they asked generally Christians, they said, do you believe that, that Christ will return before the year 2050? So 27% of Christians definitely, they say, by 2050? Oh my, yes. Christ will return by 2050. 27%. 20% believe, yes, Christ will, he'll probably be back by the year 2050. So that's 47% of the people in our country think by 2050, Christ will, will, will have that crown, will, will be the king. Uh, 28% believe he probably will not. 10% says he definitely will not be back by 2050. Those are probably the atheists, I guess, and agnostics. <laughs> They're like, no, we don't even believe he exists, so why would he return? So that's the 10%. And 14%, which I, maybe, I, maybe I find myself in, don't know. <laughs> don't know when Christ will return. Because how should we approach that day, the return of Christ? Uh, there have been many who have uh, always predicted it's been pretty close. Yeah, I think some of us may have been a part of that at some time. We may still be. Uh, I remember, and again, I, I looked it up because this was, they tell me this is church history. I was like, well, I haven't been in the church since the 90s. But it's church history. Uh, There's a book called 1975 and Prophecy. They say, oh, you got to read that. It's a good book, 1975 and Prophecy. And, and I said, all right, let me check that out. I was five years old when this you know, book was supposed to have uh, taken, you know, all the stuff was supposed to be taking place. And, and, I, and I said, well, you know what? That book was written about 50 years ago. Because it was written in the 1960s, with the idea <laughs> that that day was just going to be a, just, just just a few years away. I mean, look at the world. Look at the look at the turmoil we were going through in the 60s. Look at how our country. I mean, how could our country survive everything that was going on 50 years without Christ returning? How could the world? There were so many problems in the world. When I was a kid. I was part of a, I wasn't part of the Church of God, I was part of a Pentecostal church. So I don't know if anybody here was part of a Pentecostal church before I was, you know, so I, I, w- I would get tired of raising my hands and all the Pentecostal things they would do. So it was, it was Pentecostal, uh, but I was part of that uh, church. But they always would teach that Christ could return at any moment, right, because they believe in like a rapture. Uh, and as a kid, I, I was taught, and I was like, I was like 10 years old, I was thinking, I'm going to look around. And people's going to disappear. <laughs> and they're all going to be raptured away. Maybe I'll be with them. But knowing how, who I was, I was like, I probably won't. <laughs> I'll, probably be, I'll probably be left, left, left with all these, you know, left behind, as they say, with all these other folks. And so that was in 1980 that I believed that. And that church, you know, different from us, believed, oh, yeah, these 80s, man. This, there's some rough things going on in the 80s. I mean, certainly Christ must return in the 80s or pretty soon because how, how could it get any worse than this? There's a guy I run across every year, and he always has it mathematically figured out that Christ is going to return this year, which, again, I, believe, I hope that's true. But then, you know, I'll see him in the next year, and he said, well, you know what? I got it figured out. It's actually this year. I said, all right, all right. It's actually this year. And, again, you know, there's all kinds of things you can look at. Uh, and, again, so I'm going to give you some history. Uh, it was a guy named Hipp- Hippolytus of Rome. Uh, a guy named uh, Sextus Julia, Julius Africanus and Arrhenius uh, predicted that Christ would return by the year 500. Oh, wow. By the year 500, they're like, they're like, look at this world. How can it go on any further, man? This is some bad times we're going through. You know, we're, we're, you know there's droughts, there's famine, people can't feed, there's plagues. <laughs> like, oh, it's got to happen. And they used the dimensions of the ark. 
to figure out it was the, the year uh, 500. The year 1000, uh, I'm not going to tell you all the people who, who thought that was the year, because there's quite a few. They were like, 1000, look at the world. <laughs> how, could, how could it be any, any further uh, than 1000? And the year 1500, uh, there was a guy named Sandro Botticelli believed the Great Tribulation would begin. And so he was, you know, he was shocked by 1504. He's like, well, you know, it hasn't happened yet. You know, Christ has not returned. Uh, and we know in our, in our country, our country's history, again, and, and really this, this, this right here, a lot of what we believe people came out of this movement, uh, you know, uh, William Miller in 1844, this is it, <laughs> get ready. Uh, John Wesley uh, in 1836, he said that would be the beginning of the millennium. Well, if that, well, that was the beginning of the millennium, I don't know about this millennium. <laughs> you know, it's, where's Christ at? And so forth, right? And again, I could go right now, I could look on the internet, and somebody's probably got the day predicted as a day. And I would be happy if it was. All right, so let's look at Acts chapter 1 and see what Christ has to say. Acts chapter 1 and verse 4. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 says, And being assembled together with them, and this is Christ with his, his disciples, with his followers, he says, He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so then they ask him this question, the question that the people I just read, everybody been trying to figure out the answer to this question and they say, and they said to him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? I guess, you know, things have gotten pretty bad <laughs> under, under the Roman Empire. It's like, there's any time we need, need this kingdom of God, we need it right now. And what he says to him, verse 7, and he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put into his own authority. So, oh, okay. So it wasn't for them to know. And, and here's, what, here's the way I look at it. If it's not for the 12 to know, the ones who are the, the eyewitnesses of Christ and his resurrection, the ones who started this, who wrote these books that we follow, that we're here, that we've read, and that we've been convinced that Jesus Christ is our Lord, if it's not for them to know, maybe it's not for me to know <laughs> uh, what day it is. And again, the world is, is a place that's full of, full of sin. Uh, we have wars, famines, natural disasters, right? We have these, you know, there's a hurricane headed somewhere, I think. Uh, you know, and there's always uh, fires, and there's things, you know, all, all over. We could talk about uh, world news. Uh, a lot of times people go to Hosea 7. I'm not going to go there. I wanna, I'm going to look in 2 Timothy 3, because this is like a go-to, right? I'm, I'm going to talk about the world events and what's going on. I'm going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Because it seems like this talks about uh, world events pretty close. So I'm just going to read a few verses. Because again, we, we probably, we've read this a lot, and we've heard this in our church uh, and, and, and used in different sermons when somebody's like, ah, this is it. This is the time. Let's go look at 2 Timothy 3. 3. In verse 1, it says, But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. So, oh, there you go. It must be the last days, because we're in perilous times. Or it must, be, it must be soon. It's perilous. For men will be lovers of themselves... And we're like, yeah, check. <laughs> uh, lovers of money, well, check. <laughs> Boasters, proud, blasphemers, check, check, check. Disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiven, slanderers, 
without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, and so on and so forth. And so you go down the list and say, oh, wow, I'm living in something at times like this. But so was it in the year 500 <laughs> or the year 1000, I guess back in 1960s. I guess if you were there, y'all could see that in the world. Those things were occurring. And I can look around now and say, you know what? I think I see. I think I see. People, people are like this. This is the way the world is. All right, so what are some reasons? Right? And this is just me, like, brainstorming. What are some reasons I would like to know why Christ would return? Like, I, like I want to know. Like, like, like I want to know, put it on a piece of paper, Christ is going to return January 5th, 2021. All right? All right. And I know for sure. You give me that. I say, all right, I know. This is it. Why would I want to know that? That Christ will return on whatever date. Number one, I guess the reason people would have is so we can be ready. <laughs> you know, we'd be ready. Because uh, procrastination is a problem with a lot of people. I think y'all have problems with procrastination. I, I've, been, I've, been, I, I've been meaning, I've been meaning, for, man, I've been meaning for years to do a sermon on procrastination, but I haven't done it yet. I haven't done it yet. I, I don't know. Ah, I got to do that sermon on procrastination. But still, still working on it, okay? So we, we procrastinate. So if we want to know when Christ is going to return, we want to be ready. We want to be ready. So we can, maybe we can just be ready to last a week or, week or two before, maybe a month. We'll give them a month or whatever. Uh, you know, number two is, you know, some people, right, they don't want to repent to the last minute. Because <laughs> if I know Christ is coming October 2023, yeah, I'll just wait. I can, all right, I'll live my life. And then, all right, I'll change my life. It's, it's now 20, 2023, Christ is re- returning. Uh, another reason may be, you know, that maybe I don't really believe that Christ is coming back. So I got to look in the world. I got to look for news. I got to see some things to confirm to me, oh, yeah, Christ is coming because the things he says come into place. So maybe I don't have faith in what Christ told me. I got to go out and look for something to give me that faith to, to believe in Christ. Uh, another reason is that, and this is, this is the reason probably I like, you know, because we see the world, and we want the kingdom to be here soon. So that's probably be my reason. If I want to know when Christ is returning, I want this world to be saved by the king who's going to bring those three things that, we, that we, we looked at at the beginning. And then some people claim to know, or I could say, hey, I know Christ is going to return because I'm special. I got it. God, God gave me this message. I was reading through Malachi, and I just, these verses came together for me, and I know this is it. Right here, believe me, I'm special. So, so those are different reasons that I just come up with. Maybe you can think of others. Why we would want to know the exact day. So we're going to look at that day, uh, Zechariah 14. Zechariah 14 and, and verse 1. Zechariah 14 verse 1 says, Behold, the day of the Lord is coming. The day of the Lord is coming. So when we keep this day, when we're here, we're gathered together, and we're, we're going to we're, we're here. We're you know we're making noise, blowing blowing trumpets. We're here to praise God this day. We're letting the world know Jesus Christ is coming. What this day represents, you know, in Passover, what we, we proclaim the Lord's death until His coming. All right, uh, and He says, "And your spoil will be divided in your midst." For I will gather all nations to battle against Jerusalem. The city shall be taken, the houses rifled, 
and the women ravished. Half of the city shall go into captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Right? Half the city goes into captivity. This reminds me, we don't have to go there in Matthew 24, right? He says, one will be taken, one will be left. You know, when, when these things are happening, he's talking about the end days. And so this is talking about half the city is taken away at this time. All right? He says, half the city shall go into captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. In verse 3, then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. So remember the three things we looked at earlier, uh, which was he's going to bring, that Christ is going to bring in that day is a kingdom, justice, and strength. Right? God will be a crown of glory and a diadem of beauty. He will be king. For a spirit of justice to him who sits in judgment, Jesus will bring justice. And for strength to those who turn back to battle at the gate, Jesus Christ is going to bring strength to win in the battle. And so verse 4, and we're talking about that day, and in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. And again, I don't, anybody going to disagree with me whose feet those are <laughs> is going to stand on the Mount of Olives. I think we all, we all know that Jesus will be there in that day. Which faces Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a great large valley. Half the mountain shall move toward the north, half of it towards the south. And then we'll skip down to verse 8. And in that day it shall be that living waters shall flow from Jerusalem, half of them toward the eastern sea and half of them towards the western sea. And both summer and winter it shall occur. So, 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 so Jesus in that day, he's bringing victory in battle, and he's bringing us strength, right? Because we, he's, you just knock this thing off. All right, he's bringing us strength in that day. He's, he's bringing the world strength, because we have that strength in the Holy Spirit. He's bringing the Holy Spirit, the waters that will give strength to the people there. And the Lord shall be king over the earth in that day, shall be the Lord is one, and his name won. And the thing is, whether it occurs before 2050 or next week, sooner than you think or that you know, we'll be at that day. We'll be part of that day because time flies by. Uh, sooner than we think, it's going to be, what, 2019? How did they get to 2019? I don't understand. Uh, you know, sooner, it's going to be 2019. You know, we're, 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 I guess we're all just getting older, and I, re I realized that uh, the other day. I was like, I, you know, I'm getting older, and how do I stop this? <laughs> I, can't, I can't stop this. You know, I was looking back at like, a feast I kept 20 years ago, and I was in my 20s, and, and now I'm in my 40s. And I'm like, I was like, I was like. That, was, that wasn't that long ago. <laughs> and then some of you were in your 40s back then. I said, oh, them, them people are old. Now you're in your 60s. And now I'm thinking, they're not old. <laughs> they're, they're not very old. It's just uh, it's, it's how, how you look at things. I, I was actually, because I, I have the search on my TV set. How many of y'all have search on your TV set? You can, like, talk and search for something. And so the other day, I was like, I just, I just kind of searched. It's like, I'm getting old. And so this search, and all of a sudden, it comes up with like a video from George Carlin. Y'all remember George Carlin? 
Now, I can't repeat a lot of what he said in, in the video, but he was talking about how, you know, that people in our, in our country are afraid to get old. We're afraid to get old, and, and so a lot of times we'll change the terms about getting old. One of the points that he made in the video, uh, and I guess this probably happens in some of your families. I know maybe your parents come to you or, or you, tell, you, you tell your kids, don't ever put me into an old age home. Right? I, I don't want to, whatever it is, I'm, I don't want to be in an old age home. And so he mentions that, you know, that happens. He says, well, we just change the name of it. You know, we'll just put you into a long care, you know, long-term care facility. And say, so, no, we're not putting you in an old age home. We're putting you into a long-term care facility. And we, we change the names of things because we're afraid of getting old. We're afraid of dying. Yet here it is. We get older and we get closer to that day, to that day. Verse 12. And this shall be the plague with which the Lord will strike all the people who fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall dissolve while they stand on their feet, and their eyes shall dissolve in their sockets, and their tongues shall dissolve in their mouths. That's, just, well, that's a terrible, you know, that's just a terrible depiction right here of what's going to happen. I, I guess you've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, the little end scene. Some of y'all may have seen that. That's kind of like what I imagine, like, you know, flesh melting. It's just, it's just a gruesome thing when Christ returns to those who come to who are just, I don't know, they're just ignorant enough to, to battle him when he, when he returns? All right, so go to verse 16. Go to verse 16. And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all nations which came against Jerusalem shall go from year to year, worship the king of the Lord of hosts, and keep the Feast of Tabernacles, which we're, we're, we're this is kind of like our beginning of Feast of Tabernacles, right? We're, we're close to it now. We're not, you know, we've we got to start, start packing tomorrow. <laughs> If you haven't started packing, because we're getting close to this Feast of Tabernacles. That's how close Trumpets is to Feast of Tabernacles. Just a couple of weeks. It's just it's so close. And it shall, it shall be that whichever of the families of the earth shall come to Jerusalem to worship the king, Lord host, uh, who do not come up, there's not going to be any rain. And so if the, if the people in Egypt, I don't know what it is about Egypt, but if Egypt doesn't come up, no rain. So again, if I'm living in Egypt and I'm reading this, now I'm thinking, man, I know... <laughs> We better come up to that Feast of Tabernacles. He said, we're not going to get any rain. And he says, this, is, this shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of the nations who do not keep the Feast of Tabernacles. So, so I read this to ask the question, right, if our king, Jesus, feels so strongly, right, in that day about keeping the Feast of Tabernacles, well, how does he feel about it right now? He feels pretty strongly about it. <laughs> That's why we... We should be excited. We should be like, this is trumpets. This is, we're getting ready for tabernacles. We want to go keep the Feast of Tabernacles. I, and again, he's not, he's not, the rain thing doesn't, that's not going to apply right now. So let y'all know that. It doesn't apply right now. But it will. But he feels strongly, strongly about that. Verse 20, in that day, verse 20, it says, In that day, holiness to the Lord shall be engraved on the bells of the horses. And I've always read that and I'll be like, What? <laughs> the bells of the horses, holiness to the Lord. I've always kind of read that, and then I've re- I'll read over it again. I go, what's it talking about? You know, bells on the horses and holiness to the Lord. And so I had to look at it. So why are bells on horses? And again, cause I don't ride horses. And, and I found out, and this is, you know, I was like, all right. They put bells on horses so the people, when, back then especially, like you're in the middle of a street or intersection, and you don't walk out and something get hit by a horse. You know, because the bells, they make noise when they're coming by. It's like when we have loud, now we have electric cars that they're like, well, you know what? People can't hear electric cars coming, so we maybe should put some noise, make them a little bit noisier so that people won't step out in front of electric cars. So they had bells on horses, 
right, to, to keep people from, you know, being hit by horses. But again, you know, that's, that's a very, you know, small thing, thing you don't think about every day, right? I don't think about bells and horses. I'm sure they didn't really think about the bells and horses until they were about to get hit by a horse. <laughs> and they heard the bells coming. It's all right, horses coming. But he says that holiness to the Lord will be written on the, on the bells of the horses. It also says the pots in the Lord's house shall be like the bowls before the altar. Yes, every pot in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holiness to the Lord of hosts. So I, so I started thinking, okay, all, you know, the bells and the horses, then all the pots and pans and everybody's cabinets and they have out there, those are for God's service. So, so, so he's kind of, I guess he's saying that, that everything is going to be dedicated, whether it's the bells and the horses or it's pots and pans, to the service of God in that day. Everything is there for the king, for our savior in that day. All right, so let's go to 2 Thessalonians 1. 2 Thessalonians 1. Verse 3. In 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 3, it says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly. And I hope that applies to us, that we can... That, I, that we can thank God for each other. So, man, I thank God for everyone here in this church because their faith is just growing exceedingly. And the love of every one of you abounds towards each, each other. So that's, that's, that's what a church is supposed to be. A church is supposed to have faith, faith growing, and that we love each other. And, we love, and, and, that, and that's how, how it works. So that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you all suffer. Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you and to give you who are troubled rest when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. So this is something I guess we, we look forward to every day, and it's something we're growing towards to be counted worthy to be, to be there at that day. It says, when it's uh, rebuilt from heaven with his mighty angels, and taking fire, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God, that's the people melting again, I guess that's, that's going to happen, it's going to be part of it, and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. Chapter 2 says, Now, brethren, considering the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you. And this is what we're, that's what we're here today, right? We're here to consider, to think about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled. As I, I think about when I was a kid, I was always troubled 
when I was thinking about the return of Christ, because I was thinking I was going to be left and everybody's going to be gone. It was always world troubles and things happen. It's like, oh, the world's terrible. Christ is coming back. There's going to be all these tribulations before that. He says, don't be troubled about the return of Christ. As is from us, as though the day of Christ had come. He says, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, and that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And again, I think I understand that somewhat, but I'm not going to try to explain it to you because I may not know. I may be wrong about this. Something's going to happen in the future before that day, and it doesn't sound that great. In verse 5, it says, Do you remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, and he who, who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And the lawless one will be revealed, so this, this thing that's in the future, whom the Lord, and this is all, all leads up, right? Whatever happens is lawless one, and whatever they do to, to confuse people and, and, and change things is going to happen before the end. He says, the lost one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. So I ain't worried about that person. <laughs> because that person is already, their, their, their fate is part of those who, who come against Christ. Right? That's when the, ar- the armies are gathered and, and their flesh dissolves, uh, is what we see there. But verse 13, let's go to verse 13. But we are bound... To give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation. So we, God chose us. He chose, chose us. Says, hey, you're chosen for salvation. We have a purpose to be there in that day. It says through sanctification. How we were chosen? We're chosen through the, through the sanctification of the Spirit and the belief in the truth. We're chosen because we, we responded to God and he put his Spirit in us. And that's how he chooses us. He says, to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. So he's saying the day is coming, but we have to stand fast and hold the traditions. This is what we're doing. So we're, we're holding traditions. We're keeping the Feast of Trumpets. We're here proclaiming that that day is going to come. And I'd love for it to be next week, tomorrow. It could be today. I mean, but there's things that are going to happen before that. Love for that to happen. He says, stand fast in this day. This day. Because right now, really, if you think about it, the future and God's kingdom it's always looking to the, we're, always, we're looking to the future. We're looking about that. We're thinking about that day. And again, we're getting closer to it. Some of us are pretty close to it as far as our, 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 what time we have left. But he says, stand fast in this day, the only day we have. Right? Because we have right now, what do we have? We have today. Because yesterday, yesterday's gone. All the things, all the mistakes, our sins are forgiven from whatever we did yesterday. We can think about tomorrow. We can be ready for tomorrow. But what do we have? What do we all share together? We have today. Uh, it's, it's written actually in, in Hebrews 4 and, and Psalm 95. 
Uh, I'm just going to quote, when I've turned there, because you probably know this. It says, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. You know, the, the, the quote that's in there in Psalms and, and Hebrews, right? Today if you hear God's voice on this day, on this feast trumpets, do we, do we hear God's voice speaking to us through his word? If we hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Because today, right now, we have a king, right? I mean, the king is coming. He's coming to the world. But I'm like, well, you know what? Today, in this day that we're celebrating, we need to celebrate and blow trumpets or, or be excited that we have a king. Jesus Christ is our king right now. He's not the king of much, much everybody else, but at least he's king of people in this group and maybe those around the world who are keeping this day. Today, we have justice. He said, like, well, how do we have justice? Because I mentioned this to somebody. He says, oh, how do we have justice? There's so much injustice in the world and, and death. If there was justice, you'd be dead. I said, oh, yeah, all right. Because, yeah, because the, the wages of sin is death. So if we had really true justice, but no, we have, we have, we have the justice of God, the, the justice system of God, who, who says, yeah, you're guilty, but you've repented, so I forgive you. So he forgives us. And we're forgiven, and we have the grace applied to us. And so we have the justice, and, and that justice that we can show to others is what? God's law. The law of God in our lives, the things that, that's going to happen in that day, we have it right now. We have the king, and we have, we have that justice. Today, we've been given power. Right? We have... We have uh, now, we're not melting people's sockets or eye sockets and stuff like that. <laughs> not that kind of power, but we have, we have God's Holy Spirit. We have strength to live today. And sometimes living today is kind of hard, isn't it? it you know, sometimes it's easier than others, but sometimes today, right, where we need to be focused on, we've got to have that Holy Spirit to make it through today, through our King. So when we look at that day, we have to live today. And I, and I think about the, the bells, the pots, all the common things that are, that are, you know, holiness to the Lord, right? So that's what's going to happen in Jerusalem. All these common items are going to be dedicated to God and holiness to God. And I said, well, today, I need to do that in my life. All the things in my house or the things I have, things, you know, what I want to dedicate, right? I want, I want to be the, for the service of God. What we have should be, that's, that's, what, we, that's what we should have because we're, we have this day, because we have the king with justice and power who is coming for everyone and has actually come in each of our individual lives, has come for us and brought us his laws, his kingdom, his power that looked forward. To, again, we're looking forward to much greater. I'm, I'm just saying we have this small part, and we're looking forward to this tremendous future. We have it today. So shout. Stomp your feet, clap your hands, blow a trumpet, proclaim it. We have the king. Praise the king, Jesus Christ.